0: Hey, Jerome, glad to be here. Look, I'm sorry. I know we're recording really close to the release date,
1: but the the court case has just
0: been a real doozy.
1: Uh, yeah, I bet it was. Give me a second to clean my desk off. Do you need any help with that? No. As a proud Garlian. I'd rather die than be helped by a lesser life form.
0: Oh, I, I didn't know you were Garlean. I thought that pearl on your forehead was cosmetic. D-d-d-
1: didn't you mention you'd like a cat sitter for your upcoming trip? No, I didn't. My proud Garlean cat would rather die than be sat on by a lesser life form. Uh, that's not what cat sitting is. But message received. Are,
0: are you okay? Y- you seem on edge, like more so than usual, which is saying something. I'm
1: fine. My proud Garlean feelings are fine, and they don't need their emotional needs met by a lesser life form. Okay, this is ridiculous. Why do you keep calling me a lesser life form? You're worshipping a primal. You said in your voicemail to me that you were summoning. Summoning is killing the world, Alex. No, I, I,
0: I think you misheard me. I had jury duty, and I was summoned to court, which is why I couldn't record sooner.
1: Oh. oh, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I overreacted.
0: Ugh. Yeah, it's cool. It's totally cool. But um, hey, with that out of the way, I do got to tell you about the Red Holiday Starbucks cup I got today. <laughs> okay, glory be the
1: Starbucks. I knew it. This episode of StormBuds: Just missed a military expedition to Garlamald, help destitute civilians reconcile with the collapse of their nation, and we make for the moon. Fun. Buds, a storm of buds, and we're going to tell you about. Welcome to Storm StormBuds, Episode Forty One. I am your host of Light, Jerome Barbatsis and joining me on this journey is my co-host of Light, Alexander Hambrock. Say hello, Alexander Hambrock. Boy, Garlemald sucks, huh? Garlemald does, is in a uh, is in a pickle. This is a Final Fantasy fourteen uh, recap podcast, and we are covering Endwalker, uh, particularly the part with Garlemald, the second sort of chapter in it two out of six baby two out of six i mean yeah every every expansion's had six chapters I thought there
0: were five okay well two we, out of six okay we we're did, did Shadowbringers
1: in six and that was way better um anyway uh so yeah we um at the end of the last episode we resolved to make for garlemald once we got the um dragon scales We were able to resist the tempering of the tower, and so we make a contingency. But before we continue on with that, of course, we've got to do what we always do and get distracted by the exclamation points off in the horizon. Tell us about your side quest that you've been up to.
0: I've been playing a lot of Griftlands, which I think I talked about before on this podcast. Have I?
1: I don't know, say talk more. Griftlands
0: is a roguelike deck builder. Um mm. it's from Clay Entertainment. They're the guys who did Oxygen Not Included and uh Don't Starve. Those are the presidents. This is famous.
1: ringing a bell.
0: Yeah, well it's um Griftlands is like it's a it's a game about being sort of like a bounty hunter, grifter sort of like Sword for Hire on like an alien backwater planet mm-hmm. in the future. Like think like Tatooine, Hive of scum and villainy type stuff. Kind of like going around Sort of like, you know, collecting bounties and, like, beating people up and running errands for either the local smugglers or the local, like, you know, military force, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Anyway... I finally got around to dipping back in because when I first started playing it they really only had one character that you could play as because it was Mm. a whole early access deal and they finally have added the other two characters that have their own sort of bespoke mechanics that play completely differently and I've been just uh, you know put some more time into it over the weekend did a few successful runs on the the second guy who has this thing where he's flipping coins constantly that change what effects his cards have and the third guy who I don't fully know what's going on with him yet I don't know I don't have a ton to say about this for at this point i'm kind of vamping for time here yeah. i didn't really have a ton of time to do much this week <laughs>
1: okay that's cool for me i've been playing the new uh the public beta for team fight tactics set 10 it's a new uh if you're not familiar team T- fight tactics is a league of legends ip auto battler auto chess and the new set is all music themed every member is like in a band and then you try and build members you try and build members of your band together to and then the the background music of the game changes depending on which band you're building up or which units you have, and that's very cool. Does it uh,
0: actually like layer properly? Like, is it like the yes, instruments pretty well, in?
1: pretty cool. well. Sometimes it kind of cuts out, but it's in the beta, so they're going to fix it up probably. Do, th- do they have Fibbage three in there? They don't have Fib- The Fibbage three soundtrack. There is jazz though. There is a jazz trait, and the jazz trait is all about having many other active traits at, at a time, so that you just have like sort of a mishmash of of like impro- improvisation and stuff. So that's kind of the whole point of that. But that's uh, as close as it gets to Fibbage 3. Um, and we also played Jackbox 10, and then we played the rhythm game in which Fibbage 3 was one of the songs, which is why he made that joke. I'm, we probably should provide some context. I had to do that now. You gave me an assignment as soon as you made that joke. But <laughs> uh, once now that that's out of the way, we can all we have to do now is focus on the main quest. And we're going to start with the quest... Sound the bell, school's in, and a capital idea. Um, we wake up from our nap because we we ended the last chapter with burger time. Um, and then we had a food coma. So we wake up and Kryl invites us to come along to the studium, uh to have a chat with Skullark Montachane, thanking him for coming to the Scion's rescue at the Rostra. Uh, the twins decide to tag along, and Graha decides to stay behind because he's been a he's been a bad he's been a bad student. We ask around campus, and eventually we find the professor himself. And after a lovely bit of pleasantries and catch up, he does grace us with our favorite Final Fantasy XIV thing: a science lesson. Lovely science lessons. It Love is, to see
0: them it, yep. Like figure out more of how this game
1: works and just add explain more it, Explain it directly, yes. It is a lesson on the particulars of an enchantment that binds the forum's speech. Uh, we referred to it last episode as Force Choke. But it is basically any time that any forum member even attempts to talk about their uh, sacred duty, their body literally shuts down as their souls and memories uh, are actually flooded with excess ether drawn in from somewhere. I don't know. The exact particulars but basically uh their their memories get overwritten by this magic and this process is voluntary and can only be reversed with a large majority vote from the forum my first thought my first association with this is that uh i remember like this is pretty recent so i remember being like oh this is kind of explaining what happened when an ASEAN ascends right their their soul is kind of flooded with this, these sort of thoughts and stuff. And Amon's memories were kind of blotted out with Daniels, but apparently not really entirely. Uh, they talk, Montesquieu talks a little bit about like certain memories being etched, but there's no real proof of it. Um, But he wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't actually what's happening, obviously. (laughs) Um, But uh, apparently his memories are, are very strongly etched into his soul and we're not really blotted out too much with what was going on there. Yeah, this
0: whole thing like it's they've kind they've alluded to this mind body soul this like memory body soul triality duality but three tri- sure, sure whatever. They, tr- trinity, I guess <laughs> sure they've alluded to this trinity before, but like I, I it's worth I think digging into a bit now because I think it's obviously going to become way more relevant based on everything they're setting up in this expansion. Like I, I do what I don't really have a handle On what the nature of the soul is. Well, don't we... doesn't anyone. Like, I'm a filthy materialist. To me, like, personhood is composed of a combination of mind, of memory, and body. And those two things are even pretty, like, you know, tightly entwined. So when I think about, like, what a person is, I think, like, okay, they are impulses driven by the body and attitudes and opinions created by... uh, Out of memory. Like, I don't know what the soul brings to the equation when a soul recycles when a soul like exits after death Mm. and then gets reincarnated what is being carried along with the soul that brings some kind of property of identity and i still don't have a great handle on that i'm hoping that we'll find out more about what exactly that is because because right now it's sort of like the soul is a vessel for really strong memories and so like when you die all the weak memories kind of dissipate but some of the strong ones stick around and get planted back in the new body i don't know that's what it seems like so far
1: possibly maybe that's just it i don't know well maybe i do maybe i don't i have to pretend like i don't because i can't i, I... the can next question is best right of the best <laughs> you
0: can spoil it for me right now we let's no. talk about it right now the
1: next quest is the best of the best oh that uh that was a lot of information uh we go and pass the notes on to Graha since he had to play hooky and when we get back, he brings us an update from the mainland military leaders. Uh, they're pretty stoked about those dragon scales I talked about before, and they invite us for a little chat. We make our way for Limsa to deliver the scales and learn about how the Alliance is going to give us a contingency unit for a mission to Garlemald, baby! Our mission is to provide aid to the people and stop the Telophoroi and nothing else do not get sidetracked with the sex cave.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure why they said that. I was like, Malviv was
1: very explicit about that.
0: She, they, they call it the sex cave, which is, I think, the first time mm-hmm. the the word sex has come up in this game. Yeah, so it's kind of weird that it's a throwaway. Listen, Endwalker has a lot of firsts. Uh, yeah, is Endwalker going to give us her first scene with full frontal? Uh huh. No, okay, so we get some details on who's coming with us to El Amigo, uh, which it turns out does not include Gaius. Boo! He shows up just to be like, Hey, guys, good to see you again. I can't come along because he has responsibilities in volt And also, everyone thinks that he's the one who killed Varus, so probably not a great chance to show his face back in Garlemald. No. Instead, we're going to be guided by Maxima. Who, uh, cool uh, enough. I was excited about this, like, but he doesn't really stick around. He doesn't do too much, but he's, not, he's I'm glad he's there. <laughs> uh, next the next quest, though, is a frosty reception. We go into the Alamegan Palace, and there's a huge crowd inside. It's the folks we're going to be going to Garlemald with. It's it's all our friends. Lise mm-hmm. is Lisa's there, and and Hori Boulder, and... Yeah, a
1: bunch of other people. Like, you know, Kelly's younger brother, Amandlin, Sicard, Lees, and the, the Azam Step Love Triangle special that we're all familiar with. Lise gives a really good speech here about how... We really need to remember that the Garlians are people, no matter how much the people who suffered under their rule might feel up for a little bit of revenge. And those who were maybe too inclined to revenge declined to come along on this mission. Fordola, Sid, Gaius, and all of them show that not all Garlians are bad, right? Those are examples. Well, Fordola's still kind of bad. We have to make the world... But you know. <laughs> you know, she's uh, she's, try- she's doing something. We have to make the world a better place, and this is great to hear, right? It's great to hear from her, you know, She's re- it's ready. To, she's ready to stand up and fight, as she I mean, always is.
0: I have some skepticism as to how well people would be able to actually hold to this principle in practice. Mm. But yeah, they seem like they're all have their hearts in the right place. We
1: hand out the scales to everyone. Do not lose these. Do not lose these. One time, this is a this is a fun story. One time, I lost my passport before crossing the border back into the United States from Canada. <laughs>
0: this This seems much worse than that though it is, you didn't that's you, you, worse you didn't
1: lose your mind i didn't i almost i mean i could have been left behind and then my mother would have had to come up drive up seven hours to come get it how old something. were you seventeen okay yeah uh, okay <laughs> Oh, uh, it's fun. Yeah, I had, we had to get our passports because we did a quiet trip to Canada. Anyway, we give
0: out scales to everybody. Mm-hmm. We get a cute little cutscene where Tataru makes a nice warm coat for everyone to bundle up on their mission. Except for Astinian, who says that he's warm and toasty already in his armor even up north. Which prompted me to wonder, my god, what is the smell like inside that armor? Delicious, L-
1: fresh man taint.
0: I I feel like that would have gone rancid after a while. It's, it's ripe at best. Uh, anyway, um... <laughs> Taro says she's going to go hang out in Sharlion which is uh, probably going to go great for her um, mm-hmm. and she, she's going to go hang out with Kryl, and they're just going to kind of like you know she, Taro's going to ask around probably get some people drunk pick up on some national secrets maybe learn that um, the Charlians actually killed JFK and we'll Jesus we, Christ <laughs> she'll, be a, she'll be a valuable intelligence asset <laughs> observe how, <laughs> observe how the Arrow 3 lands and drives him oh, back, no. and oh, no. back and to the left back and to the left So we deploy to Garlemald, and in doing so, begin a solo duty, um, which basically involves... uh, This is where we play as Thancred, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we we get intel that there's a heavily armed force of Garleans on the road ahead, mostly from the 3rd Legion, but there are some of the first who were like... They were enemies, so they're teaming up, it seems like. Who knows what's happening in terms of internal politics, but they seem tempered. Uh, Lucia wants to incapacitate them rather than kill them whenever possible, which is very gracious of her and probably warranted and we have killed a lot of people in this game up until this
1: point and um... this is this is our this is our entire mission right and we we, we were recording he's trying to backpedal we were recording it was a little bit more incredulous that people weren't just killing everyone else we've killed which is so, so many so, other people exactly well that's exactly my point where it's like wow now you're suddenly like why aren't they killing because like at the start of this like you go back to the other episodes alex was always like man it's weird that we're killing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just like <laughs> full 180. Now that we actually have the gear
0: for tempering, Alex is like, you know what? Maybe we should kill these people. <laughs> Look, the game's trying to execute a rapid 180, and like, I'm not saying we should just kill the Garlians, I'm just saying it's convenient that when we finally get to the Imperial Aggressors, it's like, oh, but these are the guys we gotta leave alive.
1: Well, we have the cure for them. But we we
0: also- do we, we do have we, the cure we, for them. We spent a whole lot of time curing non-Imperial Aggressors. Too. We we, all, we did do that. Okay, anyway, <laughs> st- this duty starts out, we're actually playing as Stankrid, we do a little Metal Gear Solid, we sneak around a Garlian camp, we um, get caught by robots repeatedly, but we sabotage a Magic, Tech, a Magic Tech Depot in order to, like, you know, mm-hmm. destroy the remote control of the uh, the walking tanks and disable and blow some stuff up.
1: Yeah, this is a self segment, definitely rivaling the quality of Metal Gear Solid 3.
0: I mean, I'll say this of the various attempts by this game to like put other games inside it, the stealth sequence here and the one we're going to do later are mm-hmm. pretty good. Like yeah. they're reasonably actually tense and like the time penalty from just sort of having to redo the damn thing definitely made me care about actually doing well at it and not just like dying and trying again.
1: Yeah, and we don't have to navigate highly complicated menus to perform surgery on ourselves anytime we take a take a hit. Yeah, that bit's nice too. We just sort of <laughs> press the heal button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after dealing doing all that and eating a couple of snakes, we dial Maxima and Thancred says this unassuming line that somehow got memed to death. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So what he said you took a screenshot here. He says You want to this deliver is, it? He do says, the voice. this is Thancred. <laughs> oh yeah, I do I do like the I do the, the, the transatlantic Thancred, don't I? But whatever. Yeah, this is Thancred. The explosives are in place. <laughs> so <laughs> Why did this get memed? Film well, news? This is Thancred. Some of these are a little racy, a little spoilery. Oh, spoilery! I mean, this is Thancred. <laughs> that is just Thancred. This is Thancred, and that's then the picture of there's him. a picture of this is Thancred. Oh, it's <laughs> the Krusty Krab. <laughs> <laughs> it's just perfect. Hello, this is Thancred. <laughs> okay, this is pretty funny. And somebody made an enamel pin. with This is. Thancred. I, time, will, I won't Chris. look
0: any of these up until I'm spoiler, exactly, uh, exactly. Out of of spoiler free. But yeah, but these look funny. Okay.
1: Um, yes. So while I, uh, that is very tense and challenging. Of course, I did it on very easy as I like doing because <laughs> I don't have time for this shit. After we successfully infiltrate and explode this place, we cut back to the main path uh, that we're on. The blizzard clears up and Alice with her fabulous elven ears, hears garlands approaching from the flank. Oh, uh, we do kind of a fun Battle of the Big Bridge-style scene where we're kind of fighting our way up a long row of enemies. <laughs>
0: like like along the road, yeah, trying to protect the supply carriages? Yeah,
1: very classic, classic Final Fantasy tactic. Not tactics tactic, but just a, a a strategy that Final Fantasy uses. Anyway, after securing the rear guard, we move up to the vanguard, who are having a much harder time of things. Uh, Estinian here offers... Kind of this they have a cutscene here. The Stinian offers the same concern Alex did about, you know, why are we bothering subduing these people instead of just killing them? And you still had the same response that I did to him just now. So we don't need to rehash it too much. After if you're free for all with the leader of the contingency, some name starts with V Verg V Vaglia ba- that's her name. <laughs> we <laughs> That's it. You nailed we, it. We celebrate, sort of, and look off into the distance as the tower where the capital stood, once stood looms. Then, a depressing piano ballad kicks in, and we all make for camp with what seems to be a jerry-rigged etherite crystal, <laughs> and more narration kicks in about the very, very depressing history of the nation of Garlemald.
0: Yeah. I did not realize how much Garlemald is just
1: empty, icy tundra. Like, I don't know if we're here in winter or if it's just, is it like this year round? (laughs) Yep. We set up camp in a nearby military outpost and christened the location Camp Broken Glass after the sound of the ice crackling beneath our feet. Using this camp as a forward base, we make plans to learn what befell the city and also to heat up the damn place. While these things happen, we search the area outside the camp for any and all survivors. Uh, that brings us to Tracks in the Snow and How the Mighty Are Fallen.
0: Yeah, so uh, a man has been assigned to help us. Hell yeah! Yeah, I wish, we, again, we should have got more of him. Kind of like, shows up, <laughs> doesn't do much. Um, well. He does spot a survivor running away from us with a spyglass. So that's, as we think that's weird, we're going to go chase her down. We tail this girl in green very slowly across the landscape and finally catch up with her. And the first thing she does upon seeing us is go, Ah! Don't come any closer, or I'll <laughs> blow up the
1: explosives in the house behind me. Why do you... Okay, sure. This lady is of the... uh, We'll talk her down a little bit and we learn her side of the story here. This lady is of the opinion that we are the ones to blame for the Empire's collapse. She recounts a truly horrifying story of waking up after a night with a terrible roaring noise to a terrible silence as she ran past everyone she'd ever known and loved, transformed into mindless thralls. She reluctantly accepts our help but looks pretty leery after, after uh, after the fact. After we patched the other refugees in the house up or, or by the house up over the fire, a creepy radio tune starts playing under the gazebo. And the radio has just been playing this song called Home Beyond the Horizon, a solemn reminder of their grim and you know, their their bad origins and where they come from. And it's kind of, I don't know, something they seek solace in one of the one of the the people there is convinced that the emperor is still out there hiding but alive and he's going to come and save them all from the invaders
0: this is all so cool like this is where like mm-hmm. this is where stuff starts really cooking for me cuz like like this is so much I've always wanted to see inside Garlemald. Oh, haven't we all? Yes. And this is like such an interesting way to tackle all of this to be like, oh, like an apocalypse has basically happened here. And everything is broken, and everything is abandoned, and like, 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 as far as these people are concerned, they're living like the fucking The Last of Us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like everyone they knew and loved has been turned into zombies. Like, like, like they're just surviving on the margins. They are hiding out. They are sort of like you know scavenging whatever they can in the wreckage of where they used to live, which was like you know, which again now without any power or heat is just an arctic tundra. Like, it is so. It is so bleak, mm-hmm. and it is so efficiently bleak. Like you just like immediately sort of like understand the incredibly precarious position these people are in, and how desperately they are trying to grapple with it in different ways. And to top it all off, the radio is so creepy. Like they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're stuck here. In this mess. And all they have to listen to is this radio that just plays this haunting, slightly sort of like, you know, slightly distant, slightly faded version of their national anthem. Like, my God, I might, I might start to crack a little bit, too. Yeah, a little bit. So, so we go back to Lucina, who... Lucina. <laughs> Marth. Lucia? Lucinia.
1: Luc- Lucinia. <laughs> go on. I had to. Wait, is it Lucinia? It's Lucinia. That's that's the woman in the green dress. Oh, Licinia, not Lucia. No, our, no, no, our lady. Oh. No, no, no.
0: Okay, yes. So we go back to Licinia. The girl. Like, why are man? Why are they named that? Okay, we go back to Licinia. <laughs> Don't the worry. Lady it's it's the... a
1: very temporary problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so she inquires about the troops that we came in with, and we tell her a lot about our plans. Probably actually more than we should tell her about our plans. Oh, for we sure. We kind of spill the beans and everything. And then, like, a voice calls out to her from inside the barn that she keeps standing in front of. And she's like, what? No, a voice inside the barn? <laughs> no, you didn't hear anything. Uh, go do an errand for me. Hell yeah. And we're like, hey, we love nothing better than to do an errand. So she asks us to go to a nearby cave and get some fuel from the tappers who work there. Um, not work there. Our indentured servants there. <laughs> um, and just like, look, just run across the, like, second cave on the left. You um, First one's a sex cave. Do not go in there. There. second cave has the tappers do not get distracted so we go we go yeah we go
1: run yeah so after we obviously spend a couple hours in the sex cave we make it to the fuel cave and the tappers are not happy to see us so we beat the shit out of them <laughs> then proceed to talk to the rest of the tappers inside the cave as if we didn't just beat the shit out of their lookouts uh but turns out these people yeah they ain't native guardians they are people from other lands brought here as forced laborers and they're not sure Why we are going so easy on the Garleans either? I'm not saying I want to kill Garleans. I'm just saying it'd be understandable if some people in the story were
0: struggling a little bit more with it. But like these guys are, and also like I think they make an interesting point here of like they haven't left because like they have no way to get home. Like like the empire that enslaved them fell, and now they're kind of stuck here. And it's like, what do you want us to do? March across the tundra until we get home? All we have is this mine where we tap for ceruleum, and we're going to keep working here.
1: Yeah, 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 and those—I th- mean, those that that again wanted would have wanted revenge—didn't join this contingency. They said, "No, I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to watch Judge Val Which, you know, I wrote that joke, and then I realized Val Three is on the first. <laughs> they wouldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> Make the have radio. I'm sure
0: they have cross-dimensional television too.
1: Okay, well, uh, they give us some fuel as thanks for the networking and uh, uh, with the contingency, because we tell them, "Hey." We got people at least now we could we could you can make some trade. I don't know what the hell. Here's more folks. They're out west. And we head back, and also the leader, led the tapper, let slip that Licinia does in fact have a little sister that she's hiding. Back in that barn. That that cantankerous duplicitous harlot. So this brings us to the end of the trail and a
0: way forward, which yep. is us getting back to the camp and discovering that, of course, Lysini and her sister
1: are immediately gone. Damn it, stupid sex cave.
0: Yeah, they um they attacked Alphino because they didn't believe him at all. They just um think that we're here to exact revenge. Um, So even though we have much loftier goals, they're really not having any of it. They still fundamentally see us as beneath them and not worthy of respect and that th- they're too prideful like is how they put it to um to take aid with all of the weird heathen magic that we bring from eorzea so um guess we just gotta babysit these assholes for a little bit we go and search for licinia and her sick sister out in the freezing wilderness and we go search for them everywhere <laughs> and jerome i thought we were gonna find him we do
1: I thought we were going to find them alive. We find them dead in the snow, with their creepy radio still playing nearby. <laughs>
0: Fucking um,
1: verres, okay? Fucking no, swift cast verets. Uh, well, there's, uh, the twins. So we we find them dead in the snow. Yeah, just the the woman. There's blood everywhere. the The twins run up to us frantically, um, and we give them the bad news. Right that they grapple with the possibility that maybe, maybe everything we're doing here is only making things worse and that our actions might have terrible consequences. But at some point, Alpha No convinces Alize to push on because nobody else, I mean, just, we can't worry about that. What we need to worry about is the the truth that nobody belongs out in the cold. <laughs> nobody deserves to suffer like this. So we need to, we need to help these people. And we resolve to first, the first thing we can do is bury these two in the town and uh keep their creepy fucking radio. <laughs> Alpha Note, he, he he justifies it. He says he wants to understand the tale behind Varus' voice because like this seems to be giving them hope and hopefully this gives him some insight into what they're thinking and maybe they'll be able to make a connection.
0: Yeah, a couple people have said I think that like that they can hear or they think they can hear Varus' voice occasionally coming through the radio and like commanding them to like be strong guardians or whatever.
1: Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's creepy. Yeah, that's maybe we can get some intel on that. This is like Persona 4? This isn't <laughs> <Like, laughs> this yeah, it's kind of I mean it's a midnight channel. It's it's <laughs> you turn the radio on at midnight and then it's very go. urban
0: legendy in that way, right? Yeah. It's very like it, Junji Ito almost like, like Oh it, yeah. Well, like like this is actually I don't know. This is an this interesting thread here about the Garleans and the radio and Varus and everything. I think, gets terminated kind of abruptly at the end of the content we're doing here. Maybe I'm wrong about that. We'll see if it comes back. But like I, w- I thought they were building up something more with this. And it. we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the end. But I, I was expecting kind of more from what's going on with this whole virus voice radio thing. Anyway, we report back to the camp. And we get intel from the uh, recovered folks, the, the folks we untempered, about the whole uh, Civil War. Basically, the assassination of Varus started a conflict wherein uh, Nerva and the 3rd Legion clashed with the 1st Legion inside town for succession of the throne. Um, is, it sounds like an extremely complex shit show. We get a lot of details here. The main thing is that House Brutus, that's Asai's house, were funding both sides of it. Then the earthquake happened. Then everyone's memories get wonky, except that they remember that Emperor Varus telling them in their dreams to build a giant tower. Um, almost as if like their memories were overridden with ether, just like the thing we learned about at the Charlian school.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You just do that to people.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then they all built the Tower of Babel. Um, so yeah, that appears to be what happened in Garlamol. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, that's a pretty succinct explanation of what happened, I think. The radios are apparently built out of similar material to the warding scales, we discover. By, I don't know. I think, I guess, Yushtola uses their ether vision, which hilariously means that those huddled around the radios are listening to dragon skin. <laughs> they resisted the effects of the tempering. That's why
0: they're, they're the ones who are alive and surviving out here.
1: Yeah, it's just created a bubble for them, I guess. I'm not sure. Hmm. That's the secret to the radio itself, but we're not not really sure about the creepy song, right, uh, as you mentioned. Serena rudely interrupts us with news about a young man who was just caught stealing provisions. A belligerent Garlean man that's not tempered whatsoever. His name is Eulus Pir Norvanus, who is under the impression that we are the invaders, much like everyone else in this nation. And what we end up wanting to say, kind of as a personal people, as what I want to say... Maybe if you fuckheads weren't so invasive yourselves, you wouldn't jump to this conclusion instantly. (laughs) But what do we know? But what we do say is, please pray calm thine breast. What are you doing here? He lets slip that his superior will deal with us. And we seize the moment with the twins to be taken back to their base to have a chance to chat. Before we go, Lucia sort of subtly tells us that Thancred will be watching. Just in case. It's so funny. He
0: like he stumbles into our force and is just like invaders. Ha ha! I will take you prisoner. Come <laughs> back with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: what gumption! Uh, J- Ewells yeah. is confident, but he's confident. We'll give him that. Yes. The next quest is the last bastion. What happens here? Uh, well, we march back to we're march back to where Eul's and his camp are. Eul's. J- Ulyss. Ulyss and his camp are, and we're ambushed by tempered soldiers, and Ulyss is all for killing them. Oh, you should love that. uh, Yeah, he's not into our tempering cure, so he's, um, he's just like, hey, no, we gotta put these guys down, which, Jesus, like, which, like, all flippancy aside... My God, can you imagine, like, like it's like, it's, it's it's the whole zombie thing, right? Like, can yeah. you imagine being surrounded by people you used to know and just thinking you have to kill them all? It would mess you up. It would mess up, like, your entire sort of moral compass and how you think about the world. So I'm cutting Yules a little slack here.
1: Yeah, yeah could, like he's really... Cutting him, cut him a lot more slack than you ever cut anyone in Eorzea when we first started this game.
0: Euless <laughs> oh. is really invested in believing that these people can't be saved in a way that sounds like something that he has probably had to try and convince himself really hard of to justify some actions he's had to take. Mm-hmm. Like, I can imagine that if Eulis has to confront that people could be saved from this, then he might feel real bad about some stuff he's done.
1: Yeah, and what's really happening here, I think, is that, that this arc gives us gives it's more believable now that it, that it's actually sad that they have to kill these people when we're just starting with the tempering stuff in Final Fantasy 14 it's kind of thrown at you as sort of as the sacrosanct f- fact of this universe and I don't think there's quite enough buildup or like set up to any sort of it doesn't it doesn't really lead up to the the gravity of the situation right like the, the because the tempering, the idea of tempering, and then having to, to kill the ones you love because they're trying to kill you, or in summon primals and whatever, uh, and destroy the world—that's pretty. That's like that is fucked up. But I don't think, I don't know if the writers knew just how messed up it was when they were first writing it. Because it doesn't come across—it's like right. messed up, but not in like a way. It's not in a way that makes you really feel bad for the people having to do it. Yeah, like, it's like the whole thing is and like like
0: setting aside all my glib comments about all of this. Mm-hmm. The actual thing is that what's happening is the game has taken a pretty I think a pretty significant step up in terms of just a uh, like it wasn't sudden shadowbringers was really getting here but endwalker feels like another step up in terms of just a level of thoughtfulness and a level of kind of taking itself and its premises seriously mm-hmm. and that's great i genuinely enjoy that i think everything happening here is great yeah. it's just that when you do that in the context of an ongoing story like this i do get my, my first reaction is kind of a little bit of like then what the hell was all of that then <laughs> But you know, I'm gonna try and move past that and just appreciate the stuff that they're doing very well right now.
1: Fair enough. Uh continue on with this quest. Where I know I sorry, I interrupted your summary here. Yeah, anyway,
0: we make our way into a Garlian subway station, where which is apparently where they are uh they have set up like this Legion set up a temporary base. Um they seem to be in pretty rough shape. Yeah, the roast beef is
1: an iridescent purple green. But um tush no, seriously, the guys down here are um Y'all have been to those subways, right? Every every like leave a review if you've been to a subway with iridescent roast beef. The people like, comment, subscribe for iridescent roast beef. The people in the subway station
0: have like ha- have basically like hooked their batteries up to their Etherite crystal to just like pull whatever power they can out of it. They have very little food. They have basically no fuel. There's like a dozen of them. They are they are they are they are, they are not an encampment. They are a they are a little enclave of survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're brought before their commander, Qu- Quintus Le- Legatus of the First Legion. He's a big white-haired white-beard dude mm-hmm. and he he's he's pretty wary of us. Like his position upon meeting us is basically like look like he's still a full-on believer in basically like the Garlean cause, which is sort of like sort of what Gaius articulated way back way back in the realm reborn of like As long as there is going to be difference and as long as there's going to be conflict, someone is going to have to win conflicts in order to establish domination. And it might as well be us, because if it's not us, then it's going to be someone else.
1: Yeah, um, he basically, and when we counter that, we're really just genuinely here to help. And that's actually not true. That's just misguided and um pretty evil he claims that because of this belief in conflict he 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 says that even if he were to offer aid like that the act of aid itself is sort of an act of war right wherein okay now you're expecting us to you'll just be expecting us to pay you back without when because you're helping us without our permission and i've known some people like that so like he's not (laughs) yeah no the, the psychology here is very real like well,
0: he's got a line where he says, like, hey, if you wish for peace, why not just submit to Garlamald, checkmate liberals and yeah, it's like but, oh, okay, like, yeah,
1: he, I've known people like that. But he's he also says that, like I mean in saying so, what he's really saying is that since you cannot have diversity or you can't really have diversity or diverse opinions, diverse beliefs, and diverse people without the conflict, which means that if you want to erase that conflict, it means you have to erase that diversity, and he sees the subjugation there therefore as a lesser evil to diversity <laughs> he's a very bad person very bad person in a position with a lot a lot of power in a very very bad empire we could spend about three hours harping on the apparent and hotly telegraphed hypocrisy at work here but or you could just play final fantasy 14 and walker and see it for yourself he then decides to hold the twins hostage with some cute little shot collars, and we are we are not to cause any trouble while we're here um that takes that quest out. I just wanna point like I noticed this during some of the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> they're
0: doing the best they can with this engine. I know they can. It's just a small thing. I I feel like an asshole for harping about it, but I found it so funny the shock collars that the twins are wearing are just rigged to, like, the cloth model of their collar. Oh,
1: yeah, they're just rigged to the sweater. So,
0: like, whenever they move their necks, it's, like, the metal's, like, twisting and warping, like, along with the sweater. Like, it's it's not not, like a brooch they're wearing. It's, like, a print on their collar. (laughs) It's really, really soft metal. Shut up. Okay. uh, (laughs) Persona non grata and his park materials, the quest name that made me go, oh, fuck off in real time.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know why. I don't know why it would make you do that. It's a perfectly good quest name, and um, man, I need to read the book of Dust. what's it? The book of dust? It, the new ones? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. We should read the new ones. Uh, Pullman, complicated guy, some not so hot opinions, but
1: uh oh, maybe I shouldn't.
0: Uh, Read and make up your own mind. Not, not as bad as it could be. Not great. I, I am not letting. Take those books from my cold, dead fingers, okay? I'm okay. going to separate art from fucking artist. Okay. Um. Anyway, instead of causing trouble, we snoop around and we learn that everyone here is basically in really bad shape and kind of hopeless. Like I said, they're using the etherite as a battery, which is why I can't attune to it. God damn it. Um, Alphano and Alse really just want to help the sick and wounded. Here, we talk to Eulis about the situation further. He admits that they're running low on food and are basically out of fuel. Um, they have a plan. They have this great plan to reunite with the other legions out there and take the capital themselves. And um, Alphano uh, makes no. the point: you're not going to survive long enough to find anybody. Alphano wants to go get some ceruleum. Um, J- goes. He speaks to Quintus. He gets some permission if Eulis comes with us. Basically, so we go out and we start searching the ruins of the city for any possible ceruleum we uh, might have missed. We uh, start searching around this whole children's park. Basically, surprisingly, surprisingly, there's no leftover ceruleum in the children's park, which is weird because I just find plutonium lying around like the park down the street from me like regularly.
1: Dude, my uranium swing set slaps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do notice that the pond is still liquid um because the underwater heater's still running so we go wading in and we dig up a bunch of old like heating hardware and we find some ceruleum hooray we did it um and then we all celebrate by drying off around a campfire while U.S. tells us about how great it used to be to live in garlemald you just wander the snow-lined streets and duck into a warm house and have a cinnamon bun and uh, <laughs> and, and, and and play board games with your friends and everything was lovely
1: yeah, well, he laments his loss, and but we must press on and uh, find yet more Ceruleum, which I'm sure is out there. Takes us into the quest No Good Deed and Alea Iacta Est. So now we need to go around the city to scout for more Ceruleum. This gives us a chance to get into the ruins of the city proper. We find some more from Busted War Machines, and while we wait for the twins to come back from their little scout... Um, Thancred gives us a mind call. The fuck! I don't know if this was actually established as possible, but whatever. We. I don't remember it. he's, yeah. <laughs> he's just talking in our brain. We tell him what's going on somehow out loud. We just speak, and Thancred hears us. He says, "Okay, cool. Those are the Garlean's plans. Got it. He thinks uh, we can use this information to our advantage." I find this very cool.
0: Again, there's just like a level of like groundedness and sort of like practicality to this whole thing that. It's hard to put my finger on, but it feels like a step up in terms of like just all the implications and repercussions and uh, and actual like consequences of our actions kind of meshing together in a neat way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once we return to the station, Euless gives us credit for finding the ceruleum. Um, so he took everyone back and told Quintus what was up. And Quintus, uh, demands that instead of helping people, we use the fuel for armor and not the heaters because Quintus, well, we know where his priorities lie. <laughs> he takes his officers into a little war council. And while that happens, we ponder his words. He said something like, at the time for action is upon us. Are they going to storm the capital now or something else? Um, when Eulis gets back, he states that the twins... Here's what's going to happen. He says, the twins are going to be held captive until the contingency withdraws and relinquishes their supplies. Uh, And we end up talking the twins down, who were rightfully PS'd. And uh, we indulge the Garleans' request at Thankred's behalf.
0: Yeah, because the contingency is offered to provide supplies to these guys, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But they said, okay, we're going to take all your supplies and you're going to be out in the dust, I guess. I don't know. And Euless pulls out the, the shot collar trigger and you can really visibly see him shake. He's got restraint and hesitancy. So it's kind of representing that like he believes in his nation, but he knows what is right is to not hurt these people that are just genuinely nice and trying to help. But he's got his orders and he's going to follow them through. Um, he commands us to inform the other Garleans that it is time to depart and bring the supplies to go get the supplies and he tells us to use a specific phrase ask the isle it's not clear exactly what that means but the replies are ominous at best one person states that that he would recognize the savage as a ruthless merciless creature and to defeat him we too must be uncompromising Cool bud didn't ask <laughs>
0: yeah um we just we just pass on this like secret phrase that Yules gives us to um, to tell them without inquiring what it means whatsoever like I really feel like we should have pressed a bit harder on this I mean really like what is he up to he just won't answer our questions but he does seem pretty conflicted about what is about to happen so um our character is kind of a bonehead. Yeah, on the way back to camp, we kind of make a detour. We visit uh, Ulysses' ruined home, which is like um, when the capital fell. He and his radio, um, his radioless family, were not spared from the blast, and he was forced to kill them. So yeah, pretty pretty harrowing to deal with and he gives this great speech here where he describes um how the garlean flag represents um the red link representing the sacrifice that all garleans make for the country and the chain that binds them together and it's a good speech and also i want to point out that the italian fascists their first logo was a bundle of sticks because the idea was that when you have a bundle of sticks you can't break them all at once so you know i'm just saying this kind of imagery has a bit of a precedent
1: yeah absolutely and that that red, that red link being made of blood, that also has a bit of a precedent.
0: Yeah, you know, yep, yeah, bit, bit a bit of a bit of a death cult thing going on.
1: If we, uh, so Eulis just has a lot to process, turns out. Um, but it cuts to the twins who are being busy being held captive in a train station warehouse. The two cuddle up for warmth, although Alize moves in ever so slowly and delivers one of her many excellent endwalker speeches
0: okay we wrote a lot of exact quotes here and i am going to read them i think these ones are worth appreciating in their full sort of like in in their full exactness because this is Mm -hmm. this cutscene is so good yeah (laughs) it is so okay so what alice says is she says like she she is working through stuff and she's saying i've been thinking about what quinta said about why no one would accept garlean rule because of irreconcilable differences and how when coexistence isn't an option only conquest remains what she finds disturbing and angering about this is the commonality she sees between the rhetoric of domination and sort of like cleansing that the empire has and the cold callousness of her father and of the charleian forum who also seem to take a very like strong position of superiority and sort of like detachment from the consequences of their actions on other people what she says is that we all have a stake in the world, and no one should be silenced. Uh, Alphano then, in turn, says perhaps they've come to see the world as a series of problems, and the most efficient way of solving them is to reduce everything to fundamental norms. And this is also, again, I find this fascinating. It's like it's it's an interesting sort of critique of. Of theory and abstraction, when taken too far and used too much as sort of like an operating logic, they they produce sort of totalizing ideology of rigid distinctions, where everything becomes like falls into these strict categories, and you can create rules about what is bad and what is good, and you can justify truly horrible things under the sort of like schematic of like oppressive or or divisive logic, and like like that's a. That's an interesting theme to also have going on in this expansion. Like, just sort of like, like, the, like, that the Charlians are also bad in that way, and the specificity of it, not just that they're like ivory tower eggheads who like don't know the concerns of real people, but that specifically they are like, that they have constructed this sort of way of knowing and this way of understanding the world that puts them in a position to be really kind of callous and brutal and self centered. Um, all of which is to say that, that feels that he has moved beyond this because he's, he thinks that he has learned to look beyond banners and politics and to see people as individuals. And, uh, Alice is heartened by this. She's heartened by his will to fight and she has her own renewed conviction because she is, she's like, God's willing, there will come a day when we finally lay down our arms and there will be peace, but not until the Telaphoroi have been defeated once and for all, (laughs) which I found an interesting line. Yeah. that could be completely unironic. I'm curious if that will get complicated a little bit. Um hopefully there will be peace and we can lay down our arms once our enemies have been permanently vanquished is a little bit of a <laughs> little bit yeah, of only the of Sith deal, there. Hold on. Only the Sith deal in absolutes, a little bit going on. So um yeah, something
1: feels a little off about that, especially now given that we know what happens to yeah <laughs> the telapheroi yeah so, at the so end of this content patch so i i don't
0: so i at the- this point genuinely don't know if the game is aware of this contradiction or not like it could totally
1: complicate that by the end of this or it could not we'll we'll see meanwhile ulyss is uh presenting ulyss is back in town uh in camp broken glass and he's presenting the uh uh the contingency unit with the demands for Quintus for basically everything they have and while this quote negotiation unquote is happening Estinian comes in and rescues the twins uh, while subduing all the guards maxima reports that this happens and Quintus's and with Quintus's bargaining chip gone lucia Lu- that again? <laughs> no, Lucia begins to change the terms. <laughs> After Lucia demands to see Quintus in person, Eulis offers a counteroffer. How about guns and a fight with the contingency unit <laughs> with our magitech armor that it's we It's an brought. ambush! It's an ambush! But before any fighting really breaks out, the white mage child, whose legs are just out in the cold, I don't know, wind blasts everyone to a standstill, and for some reason that works. Okay, I don't know, maybe they could have just cut that out, but whatever. Lucia takes this moment to explain that the 10th Legion was the one that requested aid from the Eorzean Alliance, and they request that the first stand out, first stand down, and she delivers this message to Quintus, something I didn't write it down, but it's just like, have the ill stand down, I think is what she said. So So she used the code word ill. Yeah,
0: the camera cuts back to Quintus, and Quintus, um, he agrees with this because it appears to be legitimate. He releases his entire legion from duty. He monologues a bit about how the Empire longed for a world united, and that he's glad that his Radiance is not here to witness the current state of affairs. He then picks up a revolver, loads it, and points it at his head, and the camera cuts to the twins running into the station, trying to reach him so he can agree to a truce before he does something rash. But, um, it Cuts back to the Garlean banner, which is spattered with blood over the center link, and Quintus's dead body. This feels a little bit trite, like, compared to everything else we're going with here. The the guy who, like, can't deal with the change of things, and so he kills himself. That, I felt, I, I was kind of like, that felt a little manipulative, but, um...
1: Well, it makes him a realistic totalitarian supremacist. Yeah, sure, okay. His philosophies Ye- only operate under spite, like... Oppressors are often so indoctrinated in their beliefs that they will do things that end up harming themselves to spite those they hate rather than rather than actually acquiesce to help or anything like that. So fair point. I mean, that's, that's what happened in real life. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to strange bedfellows. We meet back up at terminus and the soldiers waste no time explaining what happened downstairs. Uh, The soldiers now have to learn how to function without their, brackets asshole cowardly brackets leader he just made them do everything he said and didn't give them any agency really so now they and the refugees don't know how to fend for themselves in this fucking wasteland uh this is a really interesting sort of microcosm of the effect of the fall of the empire in general right and like all these subjugated states and subjugated peoples who have had their everything told what to do are now suddenly left to fend for themselves because their central link is shattered Hey, weird. Uh, Sort of breaking down what happens when a nation or an empire sort of disintegrates and uh, people just have to pick up the pieces, which uh, Japan certainly has a history with. And uh, we, as the U.S., certainly have a history of causing. Causing that, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So we try and convince some of these refugees, soldiers, and such to come to Camp Broken Glass for a bit. And most of them agree to do so because where the fuck else are they going to go? So we clear the road for a caravan of refugees. And when we get back, we let Lucia know they're coming. She's grateful to us. She tells us not to think... Too hard about Quintus's reasons for committing suicide. Uh, what matters is that we're here now and we got to pick up the pieces he left behind.
1: And she doesn't just be like I eh, don't think too hard about it. She's more like, wow. Well, you know, it sucks that he did that, but it, I mean, like, we're you know, my my first impulse is to be like, why did he do that? But it, like in the end, does it really matter? Like, <laughs> what matters is the people that are here now that need us uh, to help for them. So we're gonna do that.
0: Okay, in from the cold again. Very cute, very heartwarming scene we get to open with
1: here. Yeah, this this quest is. Um, this quest is just very sweet and nice. And that's it. After all is said and done, <laughs> we set down for a restful supper during which several cutscenes will play in sequence. The refugees who have come up to camp are, uh, are healed by our, our Kyrurgians, and those who didn't are uh, left with provisions at Terminus. Ulyss walks up to camp and stares over the hot fire for a moment. Amanalan and Sikar drop by and bicker about who did all the work getting the heaters up and running. <laughs> An unnamed soldier comes in and gives him a nice warm mug of soup. And just as Ulysses begins to accept the gift of companionship and warmth uh, in the cold, he cries, uh, he begins to cry while triumphant music and piano orchestral music plays. Why? I don't know. I read that weird, but I did. Um, and we, we see in our, in our coat pocket as he's crying, a new flower color unlocked. Blue? It's I feel like he. I feel like that is kind of a sadness, right? He's sort of letting out, but there is a certain hope to it as well. But yeah, I, I would imagine that's kind of a sad thing. Like this is a powerful scene, and like the music is kind of like triumphant in that way. It's that theme, that sort of piano arpeggiated theme uh, with the strings swelling. But like, I'd be fucking like this feels like to me a, a cathartic release of emotions that he's not been allowed to have emotionally, having been in the military. Well, 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 and that's the thing, right?
0: What I mm-hmm. find so interesting about this scene is the timing of it. Yes. Because it, it is a it is a very, touch, it's a genuinely touching scene. It is this guy, it is not just about Ulysses' kind of emotional like, you know, breakdown. It is also about, in general, like, the reason it's triumphant is because we're also seeing how him and the other Garleans and then the people that we brought with us, how fundamentally if you're able to get them around a campfire and get them over some good food and get them talking, they're able to communicate and like, mm-hmm. you know, and like and support each other and have a human connection and like and and this was only possible after quintus was out of the picture right and like kind of like the implicit logic being sort of sketched out here is that like that this human connection between sort of the people on the ground, even when they're on different sides, is possible, but it's only really possible in the wake of the destruction or the dysfunction or the breakdown of the existing sort of power structures and existing sets of rules that kind of keep people divided. And like it, it, it like it's like like that that Eulis wasn't able to even let himself get here emotionally until he was kind of forcibly displaced from the power structure that had been forcing him to engage in this way of living previously. And, and like, I'm curious if that ends up being a bit more of an explicit theme as we go on. Like, is that a thing that we're concerned about here is like, is the breakdown of the breakdown of of social structures, the breakdown of order, the breakdown of hierarchy? Like, we'll see if that keeps coming up. I, it's interesting because like, I think that that is largely true and also it's again it's it's a it's a kind of a sophisticated theme to be to be playing with. So we'll see what they do with it.
1: Yeah, I think I I went and saw comedian Atsuko Okatsuka at the Den Theater here in Chicago and she has a bit of recurring bit about how you make friends because of a common enemy when you're in high school. And she ends it, ended it with, uh, particularly with us, because she's brilliant. But she said, like, oh, I, I think I understand here that why, why people in Chicago are so tight knit is because the common enemy is winter. <laughs> so, sure, right, yep. Um, and maybe that's what happened with Garland as well. <laughs>
0: that's why they're so. Yeah, it, 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 it's the end of the world, right? It, in the face of the end of the world, mm-hmm. like, you have to put aside differences if you're going to survive.
1: Yeah, so. Um, after we look look at the flower for a bit, the camera zooms in on the radio a little too fast. <laughs> Sorry, actually, I, no. Actually, oh. I want to go back to that really quick because that's actually that sparks a. No, that's a
0: really good way of putting it. Actually, it's it's not just the slightly shallower version of this is the version of this in which, in just, the face of the end of the world people are able to come together to fight it off. And it's sort of like, you know, oh, hearts and minds. World of Warcraft, Burning Crusade. like, Like we set aside our differences to face this down together.
1: World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King.
0: And, and and that's never very satisfying to me because like cause the causality never totally makes sense. Like this w- actually World of Warcraft I think craft cataclysm. This <laughs> I think actually this I think actually rings truer, which is it's not just like, oh, what if people could put aside their differences in the face of like, you know, the end of everything. It's what if the end of everything was the thing that people needed to put aside their differences, right? What if the actual sort of like the, the facing an existential threat is a thing that breaks through and breaks down previous structural barriers?
1: Right. What is the actual impact Uh, and why i keep bringing up world of warcraft is because at the end of those expansions the threat is dealt with and then the 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 two factions go back to world of warcrafting (laughs) you know like it doesn't it's it's a very shallow whereas in this game we have demonstrable we have we have there are there are things at stake there are geopolitical structures uh zones uh nations people's lives characters lives um fucking cities at stake we know that this dev team is capable (laughs) of 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 doing things that permanently affect the game yeah and like
0: and and i don't expect them to like they will disrupt the status quo like i do not expect like i fully am prepared for them to do some pretty sizable world-changing stuff by the end of this expansion
1: cool well um after we look at that flower and the camera zooms in on the radio a little too much as i said before the tower begins to scream (laughs) It does. Oh, God. There was another one. Uh, the soldiers and, uh, and we are protected, of course, but we did not get scales to the refugees in time. The radio starts to boom with Faris's voice, and uh, the refugees begin to clutch their heads. Hopefully, we can do something about that with those magics we have, and, but before we are able to help... And Daniel pops in dressed as a maelstrom soldier and whisks us away with a shit eating grin.
0: He just shows up and he's like, "Hey, hey hey," and then he like throws a little black cloud up, and we vanish.
1: then, in his other voice, he wakes us up at the at the banquet table, um, how nice. We share a lovely dinner of oranges, broccoli, salmon, and butternut squash soup. This whole thing is first person, also, it's which is we're very, which is, is suspicious. It's a, um, it's a choice that they make on purpose
0: because apparently they reveal that oh no, we he didn't just like zap our body here; he zapped our soul into the body of an imperial grunt. This is the soul extraction mechanism that was developed by uh, Aulus, who did in fact use us in our fight in the El Amigo Dungeon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep, we had yeah. to crawl back to our bodies. Remember that?
0: Yeah, exactly. So um so we're apparently eating with dinner with um Xenos in the presence of a giant wall of metallic bones and thorns that growl at us, which Fandaniel refers to as Daddy. Hate that. Yeah, he literally, (laughs) Van literally in his own words, he exposits at us that the emperor, the old emperor of ours has become the focus of the people's faith instead of the god's. Yeah. Because gods are illegal in Garlemald. Um, and the Tlaferoi, who really are just Fandaniel at this point, uh, channeled the people's prayer through the ether of Varus' body from every corner of the globe. This prayer then manifests in the giant, in a giant, ugly-looking primal who we get a shot of here, who he refers to as the savior of the Garlean spirit. The Anima. The, the Anima. This is an attack on Titan-looking motherfucker. This is real sort of like exposed ligatures and teeth outside the mouth and stuff like that
1: yeah so that explains why we saw a dude's limb in one of those towers and also like
0: I, I i clocked pretty directly here i wrote down i was like i feel like we're getting the reveal and the explanation of this a bit too early and like my spider sense was tingling i was like we're finding out about this anima very early on are we about to kill this guy like right now <laughs> Like this can this is this is very here. early to be seeing the big bad. So
1: This game does not dangle the carrot for very long. No, it does this not. This game says, "Here's a carrot. Would you like to eat this carrot? Here you go." Anyway, we get Zenos's speech. Uh he talks about something about prey we've bested before and how that's no fun. It's no fun to have to play the same game over and over again. I've 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 my craft and I've set the stage. <laughs> Great impression. And we, he wants us, he basically, he wants to create suffering and despair to lure us out at our best so that our fight will be to his liking. And then it's not just some random, hey, hey you want to fight <laughs> you up <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> He considers this the ultimate experience and that the chaos and destruction we've wrought are his gifts to us. What a nice friend, but our love language? It's not really gift-giving. What is it? Um, errands. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably, it's errands.
0: <laughs> we run errands for people.
1: Acts of, I mean, acts of service. Acts of yeah. service, but we are the ones doing the acts of service. Xenos then uh, gets up from the table, foregoing the pretense of a civil meal. It's all. A, it was all a metaphor, right? He's. This is the real main course. The experience of fighting in different flesh. For us, we get to fight in a nice, ch- shitty, random body. <laughs> for him, he gets to fight with our shitty random body. <laughs> he yeah, he 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 jumps into our body and
0: possesses us and then um teleports away presumably to make way for uh the camp and our friends. And we can't teleport in this body. Okay. I've been praising this expansion a lot up until this point. This particular little mini plotline we have here feels so wasted and like and I I understand it'd be very difficult to prolong this for, like, more than a quest or two, mm. but this idea that Xenos is in our body, man, my God, if this is like, a TV show or, like, a book or something, you could, like, you could really draw this out and do the whole, like, are people in the camp picking up on it? Are they not picking up on it? Like, is he successfully infiltrating? Like, you could do a lot of fun, sort of, like, um, like, like intrigue-type stuff. And instead, we get a very cool very stressful quest and then everything's gonna get resolved
1: yeah we we, uh we do have to uh do a really long duty that's pretty infamous it was pretty hard at the time because people didn't know i was just on him with the call i'm like please let's just get through this fucking thing you gotta uh, you you get you you, in your body you kind of fight you just have a one two three combo you have to just uh, look for fuel You 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 end up sort of building up a little a little army of of refugees to help fight off all tempered people and 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 monsters but then they all like die sadly <laughs> And yeah. we barely cling to consciousness in our weak, frail free, body, but we eventually I, get back again. Like, I, I, if it weren't a time
0: crunch, if we weren't rushing to get to, like, you know, to the ne- to like the next bit. Like again, I find this pretty effective. Like, it was oh, certainly yeah. very stressful because you're running around these ruins and you have like very little health and almost no healing, and every like encounter is extremely impactful. And so I sure was like actually kind of sneaking around and going, "Oh fuck, oh fuck," and trying to like yeah, yeah, dodge yeah. the the aggro and stuff like that. Until I got the fuel in the saloon, and then it's all pretty easy for the fuel in the well' armor, All pretty easy. For
1: here's now. my response to your criticism. Right after that quest, because you say well, there's a lot we could do here, but after that quest, we get there. Yshula immediately clocks that something's wrong because yeah. she has soul. She kind of can see souls, and it's like that's not who I don't know who that is, but that's not right because she wasn't really there for Stormblood. Yeah, and so she, we- she was. Uh, she doesn't know who that is, right? She wasn't particular, which is really. Really, a, f- a really effective decision that they made, right? Um, I don't know if they planned. They like, probably didn't, but like they're like, well, I mean, It worked out. Like you stole. Would obviously clock that something was wrong. I don't think she's met Zeno. <laughs> I guess I don't think so either. You're right. Maybe maybe she has a little bit. Uh, you can talk to us in our Discord. Yeah. About about the specific times you stole has met Zeno's, but not enough to like memorize his soul pattern. I guess I don't know how her vision works, but still, like, there's only so much they could have done before they would. I mean ristola would have immediately said explicitly but even then xenos just is a terrible actor yeah so he just kind of gets up in our body and smiles creepily at everyone and it's like okay you're known for being quiet but not like quiet and creepy not quiet quiet and grinning and
0: creepy. at them with like bloodlust or whatever yeah and then a horrible demon with a scythe pops out of our body and attempts to attack our friends but then as it jumps through the air the real us in the borrowed Garlean body. We intercept. We just like we throw like a sword at it, and like and it, that is enough to like knock it loose, apparently, and completely sort of like um, dissipate. Like exactly, and then we body check ourselves, and Fan Daniel shows up just and and is like, oh, I guess the, the sh- I guess the effect is over. Whoops! And then we, uh, we but you fell for my time consuming delay, and then we um all pop back into our body.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. Were, it, I think it would have been a big plot hole had they had the effect to last any longer, given that um, we, it was always temporary when Allus o- used it on us. Sure, so, I don't know. I think that was a, a smarter choice. Yeah, maybe there's more they could do with the soul jumping, but
0: I guess I'm just like it's like it's a cool idea that feels a little under baked in execution and i'm kind of like like either do more with this or I mean, they do did a lot it? with
1: it with elitibus sure or they do a lot with elitibus well it's like elitibus did a whole lot with it so i don't know man i i, I would have i think i think i disagree and i think i would have been really tired to see any more of it at this point <laughs> oh uh,
0: then i would say go the other direction and cut this whole section like i don't know that we need to have xenos in our body for like one quest maybe yeah okay anyway gateway of the gods that. next quest
1: yeah after we recover uh from that ordeal uh, everything, everything is we get set back to our body. Everything seems fine, um, but we 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 relay what we learned from Fandaniel. Daniel. They made a primal in there with the body parts of Varys uh, that are scattered all across the planet, um, and the te- the towers are tempering people to Garlemald so that they'll pray to the nation or the corporation or. Whatever. <laughs> Anyway, in so many words, we need to take the fight to Fan Daniel and beat that primal up as we was as we always do before he ends up enacting his plan. We end up taking the train into the capitol and begin the dungeon um and uh we so of course, I said the word, and uh yep, the ears are perking up, so it is time for our regularly uh scheduled contractor appearance of the dungeon goblin bring him right. in, bring him in, come on in. Ah, it's me!
0: It's you! It's not really back! You you're
1: not your sister this week? That was my That was my girlfriend, you fucking weirdo <laughs> You fucking Game of Thrones Lannister freak! What is wrong with you? That's my girlfriend. I'm
0: sorry. I've had you a really should be. I've had a really bad week. It's good to see you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's good to see you too, I guess. <laughs> You're not your girlfriend this week. I'm not my girlfriend this week. She's very sweet. She, th- thank you. She's very you proud. Very is, much. She, is she gonna be Dungeon Goblins' wife anytime soon? <laughs> well, that's a very personal question.
1: <laughs> Wait, you're you're just yeah. You must you must be pretty on edge, man. <laughs> now Tower let's, of make this, let's make this about you for a moment. <laughs> let's take this time. Look, I just,
0: I can't, I can't talk to my therapist because I have no health insurance right now. Oh, so sucks. I'm kind of dealing with a lot. It's a lot is bubbling up inside me. Oh. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's been, I've well, got a lot of complex emotions I'm dealing with, but I shouldn't take that out on you. And I apologize.
1: Oh, no, that's all right. I'm sorry. I was just joking. No, you know, I love you, man. It's good. It's all good. It's all good. Fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> did I do that right? You did that right. You
0: slapped my hand, but it's yeah. close enough.
1: Okay, cool. I saw that move on Fraser. Anyway, I'm the Dungeon Goblin. I'm here to, here to here to recap the Tower of Babel. There's so many towers in this expansion. What the fuck? Anyway, just kind of noticed there's two in a row. The first boss is Barnabas. Isn't that that? Isn't that the name? Isn't that your name? No, no, I'm Barbatus. Don't confuse me with this guy. I'm They're sorry. very different in build.
0: If you saw them side by side, you'd be able to instantly tell which one was Barnabas.
1: Yeah, Barnabas. Oh yeah, Barnabas is way hotter.
0: Barnabas is a big boy.
1: I'm a big boy. Anyway, Barnabas he does uh, some he does some magnet mechanics and he punches people. And you can just gotta look up. That's pretty much it. The second one is Doctor Lugai, and he turns you into a frog. He does turn us into a frog or shrink us or shrink you. That's pretty cool. And then the final boss is Anima. Yeah, I was totally right. We just immediately defeat Anima. Woo! Anima is a is a summon from Final Fantasy XII. 10, 12, not 12, final phase at 10. I should know better. I'm the dungeon goblin. I know everything. Anyway, this guy's got two phases. He go up. He sucks you in the middle and hits you with lasers, and then he puts you down below and throws his toenails at you.
0: He does do that. They're horrifying. They're giant claws,
1: and they sweep across the field. Cool. Well, that's about it. Is this my check for my Rand? Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay, I see it's the same. We got to talk about that
0: race. Remember that? I mean, you did kind of like, we're getting like half your normal time.
1: You kind of feel like you're rushing through stuff. Well, uh, listen, my rate is one dungeon per 25 Rand, but that's really, I mean, that's so below the average market rate for any dungeon recap, mythical being. You look at dungeon unicorns rates, that's 75 Rand per dungeon. Well Come then on, Dungeon... man! I'm giving you, I'm giving you a great deal, and I'm super
0: knowledgeable. Can you please send me an email about this afterwards? Uh,
1: I'll send you another email. This is
0: very unprofessional.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We I bet you can't is. do this on. Yeah. Air.
0: I'd say it is. Look, I'm sorry. I'll forward it over to HR. Okay. They yeah. said they look at it.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Storm. Stormblood. Stormblood's HR. All right. Okay. Well, I'll take my rand and I'll get going. Bye. we 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 might
0: we should talk to dungeon Dungeon recap unicorn i mean if they're charging that much maybe they do a really really good job yeah but (laughs) yeah like we should like we should find out right we should probably find out i mean that's a good idea he may have helped us. i don't know it's like when you're looking at bread makers and you're like this bread maker is like 60 bucks this bread maker is like 200 bucks and like the how good is that bread it's It's better right like it's it's so much more expensive it's got to be better
1: yeah, 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 and expensive things are never worse. Anyway, we get to the top of the tower after uh, after blowing Anima up. Uh, Fendaniel cackles a bit, and a huge beam of energy piece- pierces the heavens towards the moon. Um, and uh, before Z- Zenos and Fendaniel step in, it Heidelin appears. Except it's just Kryl. I don't know how she got here, but she did. Whatever. Yeah, Hyda- I guess I don't know how Kryl got here either. Anyway. <laughs> She attempts to divert some of the energy away from the beam, and it successfully holds the seal on the moon. The seal, which is a big kind of... Six pointed star thing star, which, yeah, that we're this, familiar with.
0: Fan Daniel's trying to break this thing apparently. Um, Fan Daniel for the first time is talking about wanting to, to like unleash Zodiac or something, and I'm like, what the hell? This guy has never talked about Zodiac before. Like it, it, he didn't, he doesn't give a shit about Zodiac. What is going on?
1: Well, he's talking about he's he, he was talking about the most elder of primals. You just led us to believe that Anima was that when actually the primal he cares about is up in the moon. Yeah, Anima was <laughs> kind of a chump. Like <laughs> yeah, Anima was just just getting the energy to the moon. So he says, so they say oh dang it and they use the tower of babel the energy the ether current that they just made to the moon to teleport up to the moon. But uh before before they as one last last ditch effort Heidelin sort of makes their Uber <laughs> drop them off on the other side of the fucking moon. So they got to walk all the way around half the half fucking, the half the globe. God damn it. <laughs> uh oh. one star. Um yeah, well we we offer to follow them. And everyone agrees that it's for the best that that we follow them alone while they try to help the tempered and everyone else outside which sounds to me like everyone else just like is uh, scared scared to go to the moon which like I
0: get it I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not interested
0: <laughs> they, they don't have like scientists they don't know if there's air up there like no one's been to the moon before
1: if anyone could survive a trip to the moon it's us somebody who's been to the other planets and stuff without having our soul ripped out okay so um we that's that brings us to the quest a trip to the moon and
0: sea of sorrow And
1: this is where we started our um storm buds event which was really fun um it was uh, it was a staged kind of screen shared event we hung out with folks in our discord you can find the links to join our discord if you want to join the next event um but this was so fun so we did these moon quests and then the the upcoming trial with a group of of uh foolhardy adventurers <laughs> foolhardy listeners uh who who came to to our aid which was a really special experience but we'll talk more about that once we get to the trial uh but i wanted to just shout everyone out for in the stormbloods discord for for being so awesome and we actually picked up two people in the dungeon yeah those <laughs> who great. came and then helped us with the trial and then like they're probably working through the backlog now um which you I mean, guys were cool what a treat for them right <laughs> have you listened to any of our backlog i haven't not in a while no <laughs> i'm like scared i hope they get past like episode three that's true we're like really quiet i know in the first episode because i'm always too scared to pump the volume up maybe we should have told
0: them like start like early and work backwards that this was, is why maybe
1: better. like once we're done with final fantasy 14 we're gonna have new starting points and just being able to T- just like doing random sort of topics instead in yeah. different other games. Well figure any, anyway, anyway. Um back to, so yeah, we get
0: some narration here. Uh long before um Dalmud, which is the, the moon they put um Oh Dalamud. Dalamud, which is the moon that they put That one's Bahamut on me into yeah. Um Zodiark was sealed in this moon, the regular moon, and the <laughs> <Spoiler>. souls <laughs>
1: They kind of do the whole like as a double bluff sort of deal, like like in a fighting game or like when you're playing rock, paper, scissors and somebody like does rock twice and you lose to it and you're like, damn it. <laughs> <'Cause This> is- <laughs> the moon again? <laughs> I never saw this coming. Yeah. And also like so like so all the
0: souls of those who were sacrificed to him still kind of slumber uh, up here dreaming of the time when he'll be made whole. So there's like so we're kind of wandering around on the moon like in front of this giant moon palace and there are spirits of ancients up here just kind of like confused and scattered and kind of looking around and not really clear what's happening wishing they could go home. So we um we climb to the top of this giant moon palace and we meet a ancient figure known
1: as the watcher who is he a spirit or is he just here? Well, I tossed a coin to him and he was very grateful. But uh the watcher here is just the Watcher is, is here, we'll say that for now, since Heidelin created the moon and they're responsible for the prisoner, uh, they're kind of a jailer, and the devices which hold him fast. Down below, a creepy hologram of Zodiac remains sealed inside a blue It's like a big it's- cyberpunk-ass fucking sweet uh, hologram, like blues, reds, and purples, it's- of Zodiac himself. It's trying. I don't know why this is
0: the- came to mind. It's it's like as big as a Topgolf. Like- <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that is. It's like a four story, like golfing, driving range type cage structure, which is about as big as Zodiac. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, so the Zodiac, the Zodiac hologram is in there, kind of like it's incomplete because it reflects the fact that Zodiac is, um, you pointed this out, has not been fully kind of restored because we have not done all the rejoinings. Um, and it's surrounded by six seals, which are giant swords driven into the ground, five of which are broken. Dang it. Well, although, although the Watcher's repaired one and he's trying to fix the other four. that's nice.
1: Uh, well, Heidelin is, we explained that kind of, so, okay, so Hydaelyn as a being of light is sort of like, yeah, so Zodiac is alive and here and kind of existing, right? And so long as Hydaelyn exists, no further sacrifices need to be made in his name or uh, so that, so that. He doesn't like fade into oblivion, right? She's kind of keeping him in place. We start yes. talking to the shades, and honestly, they're mostly just sort of confused. <laughs>
0: yeah, because like the thing the Watcher wants to do here is the Watcher's like, hey, if you deal with Zodiac, all of like the spirits that kind of were sacrificed to create him that are kind of living up here, they'll all like evaporate and be consigned to oblivion. So like, talk to them and make sure you know what you really want to do.
1: The spirits end up reflecting on being the lifeblood of the star and nurturing it and watching it thrive. And one of the spirits fades in and then a dog pops into existence. A
0: fancy dog. Yeah, it's like it's a, this, like one of the spirits appears to turn into this gold dog and like it's not like it's like a wolf. It's like a show dog. Like it's like a... <laughs> yeah,
1: it's unusually lustrous and we follow it to further more, yet more spirits. And one of them near the end is particularly anguished and summons a whole host of spirits that begin to swarm us. But they're quickly dispelled by someone who recognizes our soul and is called a familiar spirit. It's Hithlodaius! It's the real finds He's he's here, and he recognizes us as his old friend uh, Azem, right? Yeah, he recognizes the color in our soul. And we say, oh, we meet again. And he's like, "Mm, no, we haven't met. What are you talking about? And so we explained everything that happened in the first. And he's like, of course, Hamitsuk did that, that big softy <laughs> made replicas
0: of of me and all of our friends in our entire hometown
1: but this is the real deal a soul sacrificed to zodiac uh and this soul does not know our intentions but he bids us to protect the final seal and uh business farewell with the line my my old new friend <laughs> Hildeus is the best <laughs> he has a way with words for sure and he, he wants us to bid
0: to birth paradise where fear is a distant memory that's sweet
1: yeah and now we start our final quest, the Martyr. We hop on board the dog and it sets off through the air. Ah, damn it. Xenos is attacking the final seal and we should stop that. Too late. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we,
0: Xenos just breaks it um, immediately and Fandaniel bids Zodiac to rise. Uh, the sort of like the whole hologram flickers out of existence and from within a giant red pit, something starts to stir. Um, fan daniel says that this, this whatever this is zodiac is a it's a creature of pure instinct and it is waiting for guidance but it grows more powerful with every passing moment it has no pilot Elidibus is dead yeah so xenos declares his intent to consume the god and then the world and he's like once i do that will you fight me or will, like will you fight me now to try and stop me which would be a lesser but welcome amusement and we prepare to fight him now and then fan daniel goes psych uh actually the yeah the plan might have been to drop xenos in the pit and have him turn into uh, Zodiac and kill everything, but now actually, I think I want to do it instead because that sounds more fun.
1: Remember when I said I wanted to die and
0: take everyone with me? Wee! He, he really meant it, so he jumps in the pit. And then we jump in the pit, and then we arrive in a starry void, and basically all these sort of masks are flying around us, representing the souls of all the different sacri- ancients who sacrificed themselves. And they're kind of like, again, sort of like they're trapped in this like limbo state where they're like recalling things over and over or repeating things over and over. And they're talking about how like they are the martyr, they are the bestower of new beginnings, etc., etc. And Fandaniel just laughs at them and mocks them and says oh what an irony it is that these souls the source of the world's the, the world's saviors will become the source of the world's destruction um, and they continue to insist no no we're going to save the world and he continues to berate them
1: and then everything fades into silence we pull out our, uh, our, uh, our soul crystal our azim crystal and a familiar voice tells us to let the light of our soul shine for all to see
0: Back outside, um, like fandani Ark is now taken full form, and he um, insists he, he's like he says, like, "Hey, I intended to pit my fractured divinity against Zenos, but a more tempting app presents itself. What if we? What if I just crushed you? Like, you will trouble me no longer."
1: Well, Zenos, you got caught, you dumb bitch. Yep. Anyway, we'll come back to it. Uh, we, we this is where we uh, fight Zodiac, and yeah. this fight uh, was so fun. Thank you again to everyone who helped us uh, kill this guy on the first try. <laughs> first first try first try first try honestly this went extremely well uh we'll certainly do something like this again you know i we ended up kind of like needing to to sort of pull it together i had to do a little bit of cheerleading we had a danger dorito volunteer for for to be our guide um and uh so we we ended up learning i mean I, i don't think you were the only sprout in there so it was just like a good time so if you and if you're playing along with us uh as the episodes come along thank you for doing that that must be a really taxing experience (laughs) wow okay (laughs) trying to put up with these chuckle fucks
0: we want to talk about the fight itself at all like it's
1: um no it's cool but like it's uh the fight itself i think he just it's basically a danger dorito fight you kind of just have to follow the person who knows what they're doing there's not a whole lot of group coordination (laughs) it's almost like all the cones and stuff right yeah, that you just look at the side, you look at the the sides and whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the bigger thing is like, oh, we're the fighting Zodiac. <laughs> the music is the bigger thing. The music and, and, and also the, and the
1: plot and you're like, we're fighting Zodiac. We're level
0: 83. Yeah, what is like what like not even like a fake fight. Like it appears like we appear to have actually just done the Zodiac fight which yep. Raises the question once more, what is Endwalker <laughs> about? <laughs> because we appear to have defeated um The Big Bad. We've defeated Anima. We've yeah. defeated Zodiac. I think we've defeated Fan Daniel, as far as I can tell. Oh, He's done. Like yeah, Fandaniel's. Once he's done? Dead,
1: like yeah, once he's de- like once we end the cutscene. We get uh, the Zodiac's like, cool, time for me to die. And he rips his own heart out. And purple beams, they like shoot out of him as he's fucking exploding. And Van Daniel now narrates his death in right, dramatic terms. He, he, he says something like, the man, I was, the man I was would weep for what I've become, the all-consuming contempt. But the man I, something like the man I am now has 10 million millennia to justify my answer to the question of whether or not people deserve to live and there's no no value in their existence not a wit for all that i looked none did i see um he mockingly sort of says that this is a final chance then for heidelin and her faithful to prove me wrong uh
0: yep and and also even at the end here he appears he's like look hey emperor zandi you were right and i will consign everything to oblivion mm-hmm. um and then he he appears to be done which like man- are we going to Mars next? Like w- 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 like I well, guess like I guess like the next 60 quests could just be us trying to like forestall the um like the the cataclysm happening down on the Orze- on the planet, but like I guess we'll see. It's that in Xenos like is all I've got right now. <laughs>
1: Well, once we get back to the um, once we get back to the top of the, the, the planet, the planet, the moon, the surface—that's what it's called, the top of it. What uh, we look <laughs> the back- top
0: of the moon, also the <laughs> as the outside.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we look back on the planet on Highland, and suddenly, red cla- crackly vision, and a female voice says, "Ah, at last."
0: what what the, what the f- fuck does that mean? What is this weird like this is not like any kind of vision effect we've had before nope. It's not an echo vision no nope. it's not like we're not we're not drugged up we're not sick from ether travel. it's like a weird crackly red uh, overlay
1: we, and yes we start to visibly panic and the watcher calms us down uh, they say, okay because the watcher seems to know what the fuck's going on. I maybe mean, they said the blue star below has been thrown into turmoil with the death of zodiac, the laws of nature over which he presided have begun to unravel. The final days are upon us.
0: So well, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna call a shot here. Yeah.
0: If Zodiac and Heidelin were in some kind of balance, mm-hmm. is it bad that Zodiac is gone and only Heidlin is left? Is it?
1: I'm are very we still cu- playing into Heidelin's <laughs> hand.
0: I'm very curious what all of where all this might be headed.
1: Mm, very curious indeed. Suddenly. Xeno's rocket's out of the pit and crashes before us, all red and glowy. He postures to strike at us, then withdraws because he can tell our mind is elsewhere. He, we're, we wouldn't be looking at him during. Then he vanishes. And that's the end of the quest. That's the end of the quest, and that's the end of our recap for Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. Um, so that's, I mean, what a what a cliffhanger! Uh,
0: no, I read this week. I don't have anything I feel
1: good about. What do you fucking mean? You don't have anything ad read this week? I don't know. I don't have anything. You got to do make money we're gonna it's cold outside (laughs) my heater's broken okay fine i'll pull something
0: (laughs) fine i'll pull something out of the backlog okay it's not promising okay Okay, I do see here, it's actually, it's actually, it's a good thing that they contacted us early, even though we, I ignored it for like six months, but it makes sense now. Okay. Um, we were, we did have a sponsorship offer. Man, I don't know if they'll even pay us for this anymore, considering how out of date mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. But apparently, the um, the Charlene Art and Technical Institute does want you to know that they have open enrollment right now. So uh, you could, um, I've been told that their curriculum covers a wide variety of trade skills, including um, uh, various uh, hairdressing and makeup. You could do. earlier well,
1: <laughs> I <laughs> that, that early, awesome.
0: er, early dental. You can do creative arts. You can. Um, they have like, a, like, etherite welding. They have. <laughs> yeah. I I have an MP3 here. They have a testimonial from one of their students talking about his positive experience at the Australian Technical Institute. I'm going to hit play, and we're going to hear from that student. So,
1: it's pretty good.
0: Okay, the Australian Art and Te- Technical Institute. You know, lower tuition than the Studium, more affordable, more accessible. Lots of options for student aid. You can you can get your FAFSA in, and it'll cover most of. Especially if you're in Charleon, you get that in-state. You get the in-state <laughs> uh, uh, options, and mm, they can nice. They can they can get you your associates in less than two years. You could be uh, you could be out there doing etherite welding in less time than it took you. That's to- That's how they
1: got that crystal to Thavnir. Exactly. Well, that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that ad read. And thank you all so much for listening to our podcast, Storm Buds. You've, at this point, come 41 episodes, and I don't, I honestly don't know. I stick around for forty-one more. Yeah, stick around for forty-one more. Um, to keep up with all the latest in StormBuds news, you can follow the link in the description of the episode to join our Discord as well as our other socials. We're gonna start. We're gonna we, listen. We gotta start. We gotta start funneling people into the podcast somehow. So maybe we'll start posting clips and stuff, and think about ways of branching out. And you want to be the first to know about it when it happens. So. You want to be the first to know. You gotta be the first to know about it. So follow all us follow us everywhere that you can. Right now, right now, do it. Maybe we should just start like cutting the best bits out of the actual podcast and saving them for exclusive clips. That would, I'm sure that would go over. I'm super gonna well. hopefully pay somebody else to do that for us. <laughs> so when, <laughs> um. I wanted to also thank the uh, staggering number of people that have left uh, Spotify reviews in particular, because that number has jumped up uh, since I last checked from the single digits to double digits. So thank you very much for having done that. That is staggering to me. I appreciate it. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Um, and I love that we're at like a, it's like a realistic 4.7. Yep. It's like I, good. It's not like a five stars where it's like nobody believes that this podcast is real. I look, if some people gave us three and four star reviews, hey, I get it. It's okay. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you guys are the best. Uh, but uh, so the next episode, we're going to cover the upcoming chapter. You guys, you guys know what's coming up. I really can't say what's coming up because Alex doesn't know. What does.
0: We just went to the moon and Mm -hmm. defeated two different gods?
1: Yep. What is next? (laughs) Well, you're just going to have to wait and see. But it will cover around levels 84 to 85 of Final Fantasy 14 and Walker. And until then, born from Buds, Storm of Buds, we've been the Storm Buds baby. I still think Zodiac is a stupid name. Well.